0: What's going on, guys? Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins. Today is Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. It's power to the pod, mailbag time, all the things that you want to talk about here today on Locked on Dolphins.
1: You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: What's going on, guys? Locked on Dolphins. Kyle Krabs here, your host, Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, co-founder of the DraftNetwork.com. And just steering the ship today here on the show, it's all the things that you want to talk about. It's the mailbag episode, Power to the Pod. We're going to dive in. I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com/slash lockedonNFL. You'll pop a cold one open here. Midweek, uh, six days out of the loss to Cincinnati, we um, we're on from Cincinnati. Uh, we're putting it behind us. We have, of course have the opportunity to move to four and one on the season. This Sunday against the New York Jets, uh, the Dolphins as a team. I think there's a lot of things that you can point to in this matchup that you feel good about for the Dolphins. Um, you'd feel a lot better if you had your starting quarterback available to you, but uh, uh, the Dolphins are going to make do without Tua Tagovailoa just fine. And Tua Tagovailoa hopefully will have a smooth recovery from his head injury from last Thursday, and will be back behind center when he is ready to be. For the Dolphins. Um, For the record, cold one is an energy drink. We're going to start with Matt and Matt's question today. Started listening with Travis, but your draft knowledge, analysis, and film acumen um, made the show very enjoyable. Love it and listen daily. My moment of Zen. Question. Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker, former first-round pick for the Arizona Cardinals, only played 33% of the snaps versus the Rams earlier this season. He looks like a perfect fit for the Dolphins' defense. What say you? This is fun. This is kind of like October's like building up to trade deadline. There's going to be players that we're identifying as, hey, should the Dolphins be buyers? Should the Dolphins be sellers on certain players if they're not making an impact? Fun. Fun window. From a team-building perspective, Isaiah Simmons is a difficult player uh, because you run the risk when you have these players who are quote-unquote positionless players at the college level and you ask them to learn a position. And I think the Cardinals found this out the hard way with how they chose to handle Isaiah Simmons initially when they got him in the building. But the Cardinals put a lot on Isaiah Simmons's plate right away and he could not keep his head above water. Uh, he, he was swimming in information. He was being asked to make a lot of reads and keys and cues that he had not had to do at Clemson. And I think about Simmons as a talent and you look at long, super explosive, super versatile positionless player, for a lot of what the Dolphins do from their zero package looks and their um, their third and longs, I think Isaiah Simmons could bring value, but I don't necessarily know that Isaiah Simmons is going to bring you every down value in something you don't have on the players on the roster already. And uh, knowing that that's a, a first-round contract, that's not a small investment that you would be making to bring him in. And he's somebody that I think probably I would be a little more apprehensive Uh, unless the Cardinals were ready to just punt on the experiment and send them away. S E C with a question podcast is my favorite podcast in general. Thank you. And he openly, he, she openly acknowledged it was flattery. My question is about the Eagles. I peeked at their schedule and it is very easy. Plus they look very good. Is there any worry about an undefeated season? Of course, this is the 50th anniversary of the Dolphins undefeated season in 1972 still the only undefeated Super Bowl champions in the history of the NFL no uh, the the Eagles do look good there's little question of that and their schedule is soft but I look at the Philadelphia Eagles and teams that are stout and can create stalemates up front uh, I think if you force the Eagles to be one-dimensional on you as a team, and, and Jacksonville, of course, got up 14 nothing, but the Eagles didn't panic, and it was still super early in the game, and it was a wet game. So a lot of the things that the Jaguars would have otherwise done, they were unable to do, and Trevor Lawrence turned the ball over five times. He fumbled the ball four times and lost all four. Now, if we get to Week 12 and the Eagles are still undefeated and you ask me this question again, then, yeah, I'll, I'll – I'll probably have a different answer. But this early in the process, um, we were an Eagles loss uh, on Sunday against Jacksonville away from the fastest elimination of the final undefeated team since 1970. Like, it is still so, 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 so early. Uh, So, SEC, no, I'm not there yet. I'm not concerned yet about the undefeated season. But there is little doubt that if you look at the NFC and the state of the Rams, who got their tails kicked by the 49ers, and the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo, a quarterback, and the Green Bay Packers without all of their passing weapons, and uh, Tampa Bay with the losses that they've taken on the offensive line already and how how they've played. Philly's probably like right up there for NFC contenders to contend and, and play in the Super Bowl. And as, as SEC pointed out, their schedule is going to allow them to be in a position at the end of the year to possibly be contending for home field advantage on that side of the fence. Dolphins Craze. My question for you is, who is a player that is not coming up on the stat sheet but has made a great impact on the team? Give us a name that isn't Zach Sealer, though. I know he's your guy. Thank you. Hope you're doing great. And fins up. Impact player who's not showing up on the stat sheet that's given a great impact. I would point to Alec Ingold and Trent Shurfield on offense. And I also think Connor um, at center is slept on a little bit, if we're being honest, Connor Williams. Um, Defensively, I know there's some criticism that exists for Jalen Phillips, uh, but Jalen Phillips from a schemed rush perspective and – opportunities in pressure and up the middle, especially Uh, I think it's playing better than he's getting credit for. Uh, I'd also point to Duke Riley as a player who I'd love to continue to see more and more reps from. So I gave you a couple of names there. You can order them whatever order you'd like them to. Uh, But, but that's kind of my short list if you will jam been a Dolphins fan since the cradle. I've been blessed to live the Marino years. Bless you. Um, I was born in 89. So I caught the last decade and have memories of the final probably four years of the Merino years. Uh, Jam, continuing on, fortunately lived the past decade. She was excellent, has a wonderful, knowledgeable host. Just want to say thank you for the hours of entertainment and learning. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And it's cool to, I know I say this every time it comes up, but like even hearing from Different generations of Dolphins fans that uh, tune into Lockdown Dolphins and and find that it helps them consume the team and enjoy the team in a new or different or even the same way is really neat. You know, it's 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 odd for me to sit here and think that I'm sitting down and I'm not just talking to people my age, but I'm talking to people much uh, with much more experience as a Dolphins fan under their belt than I have. Or people that might be brand new to being a Dolphins fan you know i i so typically associate myself cuz all the people that i grew up with talking football were the same age as me you know my my parents weren't necessarily big football fans in general so uh, it, it's always great to hear from everybody's individual perspectives and and where they learned to love the game from especially if it comes from the Dan Marino years so uh, i'm not jealous at all I'm not jealous at all. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs and reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience. So you could quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires and versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week? Nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL. That is LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Our next question comes from Starscreech. And we we found some resolution here, but I do think it's important to acknowledge Starscreech and, and the question. The question is what to do with River Craycraft. Greetings from the UK, listening to your show every day. Uh, what do you think we should do with River Craycraft now that he played the three games and he's eligible while in the practice squad? So what's what's important to designate here is the Dolphins had been carrying 52 on the active roster. Well done, Chris Greer. So they signed River Craycraft to the active roster without having to cut a player. Now, what will be interesting is what happens. If we wake up and Byron Jones is able to be activated and can play this weekend, the Dolphins have to cut somebody. I think that's an important distinguishment to make, and that's why I made sure to bring this question up because this isn't going to be an easy decision right now. If I'm the Dolphins... If I'm acti- activating a defensive player, you could make the argument, well, then we need to make room on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know that there's a player that really makes sense to part ways with. Um, the player who is contributing the least on the defensive side of the ball is probably, well, no, it is. It's Noah Benogany and Channing Tindall. And Channing Tindall is a third-round rookie who played 500 snaps for the University of Georgia. I'm not mad that Channing Tindall and Eric Azucama aren't suiting up. The expectation for those guys is they'll play when they're ready. Igbenogany, I think financially, you're, you're just not going to be comfortable flushing the money down the toilet right? and taking the dead cap hit because rookie contracts, the new norm is that those are fully guaranteed contracts. Trey Flowers has looked good. John Jenkins is getting significant snaps as the backup knows. I don't see room on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe you cut Justin Bethel, but he's been probably your best special teams player through the first month of the season. I look at the tight end room, you got five tight ends, four running backs, a fullback. And now you got, what, six wide receivers? Five, six wide receivers. One of those guys is going to have to go. In my mind. Now, maybe you can stick somebody on IR But let's not forget, Austin Jackson's eligible to come back sooner rather than later as well. I mean, you look at the players that are on IR. Jackson, Jones, eligible to come back. Clayton Fezlum, as I understand, is not out for the year automatically. Those are potentially three roster spots. I do not envy these decisions unless you have other players that you're ready to stash on IR and make that transition. Larnell Coleman's a spot that I look at. You bring, you know, a one-for-one with Austin. But you're going to have to lose a skill player to get Byron Jones back on the roster. I I really would have a hard time bouncing any of these DBs. Chris Greer's going to have his work cut out for him to decide who that's going to be. Eddie, with our next question. Love the podcast. We have too many offensive weapons. (laughs) There you go. Which is a total contrast to any season I can remember. With all the depth, Wilson and Gusecki really can't get on the field for any meaningful snaps. Shurfield and Craycraft are getting more looks because they have familiarity with the offensive system. All this is factual. You are absolutely correct. They have proven well in games. I know the season is a marathon and not a sprint, but do you think we spent too much on Wilson and Gusecki in retrospect? Are they trade options or just ride right out the season since injuries do happen? Does GM Kyle make a trade? And for what need, in your opinion? This is a great question. I mean, this could be a show, Eddie. I don't fault them for the Wilson deal because I think the Wilson deal happened before the Tyreek Hill stuff became evident that that was going to happen. And I'm sure if you knew Tyreek Hill was going to come available, I mean, both of these decisions happened before Tyreek Hill was available. So I give the dolphins credit for that to not let, you know, don't let good players prevent you from acquiring great players. Don't let Cedric Wilson and Mike Gusecki prevent you from bringing in Tyree Kill and saying, ah, well, you know, we got said and Gusecki to split wide receiver three and two reps. No, right? So I think they played it well, but yes, it's, it's a really hard pill to swallow that Mike Gusecki is going to make $11 million this year on the franchise tag without a long-term deal and presumably not a long-term outlook in the offense. I mean, yeah, I don't have the numbers up in front of me right now but I'll pull it up, make sure I'm pounding on the keys so you guys can hear me. Mike Kaseki this year has eight catches for 71 yards and a touchdown in four games. I'm not a math guy, but that's an average of 17.8 yards per game. Still not a math guy, but I can divide 17 by 17 or multiply 17 by 17. I could a lot faster if my cell phone calculator was cooperating with me. What's 17 times 17? You guys are going to find out the same time I do. 289. Mike Kasecki threw four games on pace for 289 yards. Not an asset in the run game. $11 million. Would I entertain trade opportunities if I get if I get Hunter Long and Ethan Carter back in the next two weeks? I'd probably explore it. I don't know what you would get. Can we find a playoff contender that needs a big body up the seam? I'm not losing sleep over it at this point. I'm not. Um, I don't know that the Dolphins feel that way. And Mike's been an, a consummate professional. I can't emphasize that enough because some some will probably listen to that feedback and say, "Man, Kyle, that's kind of harsh," but you have a business proposition on your hands now. And if you let Mike reach the end of the year, you know, he is a depreciating asset as far as the dolphins are concerned, as far as a player who will not be here unless things significantly change. And the longer this goes with this level of production, the less market he would be, would have for anybody to say, Oh, well, we'll tag him again and then trade him again. Nobody would do that. So unenviable spot Uh, depth with our next question. And I I love this lead in, and this is what I aspire to. So I'm glad to hear this. In my opinion, Kyle's pretty objective for a diehard dolphins fan. Truly enjoys podcasts locked on as well as his work with draft dudes. I've learned quite a bit in listening to his takes and insight. Thanks for, for providing cost-free education, power to the pod question with the Giants somehow being somehow in contention while having a serious lack of wide receiver talent. Oh, Okay. So now we've brought a team. We've brought a team into the mix. With the Giants somehow lacking contention and having serious wide receiver lack of talent due to injuries and the Finns thriving with Wadlin Hill while Craycraft is making noise, Gasecki's fighting for targets, and Sherfield's a good role player, do you see Cedric Wilson as being a possible trade asset for us? I would not eliminate the possibility. And I know that stinks for Cedric because he signed here and he got a nice deal and he kind of got banged up right at the start of the year. And he's been dealing with the ribs and like, it's really, it's it's of no fault of Cedric Wilson's it's not. Um, Do I think he can play? Yes. Do I think he can ball? Absolutely. Would he be an asset for somebody? Sure. But, and again, I'll, I'll pound the keyboards here. It's part of the charm of power to the pod. You guys can hear this as it plays out. They signed him to a three-year, $22 million contract. Uh, That came with a $3 million signing bonus, $12 and three-quarter million fully guaranteed. If you traded Cedric Wilson, uh, you would have a dead cap for the remainder of the year of about a million and a half. You would have a dead cap next year of $2 million, and you would save $4 million. Yes, this is very feasible. This is very feasible. And if you could get a selection in return, if you could get uh, a linebacker in return, if you could get a corner in return, if you don't like the prognosis for uh, Byron Jones, I think those are things you could, could entertain. Now, I don't know that the Giants necessarily have those players. Their linebackers, Their linebacker room is the worst linebacker room in the NFL. I don't think they really have an offensive lineman that's really going to move the needle for you. And they have a Dory Jackson at corner. They have some youth. They just drafted a kid in the third round, Cordell Flott from LSU, uh, to be a nickel player. That would probably, if the Giants were the team that we were going to point to, they would probably be a draft selection return. And it's, well, what's worth more? Is the player and not having the little extra wiggle room and cap space flexibility worth more than the pick as an insurance policy that that's a decision that everybody individually is going to have to make. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports waging information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores on every sport. It's the fastest and easiest way to check out all of your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts.
1: Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Uh, Fresh Prince, Freshy Prince, our next question. Not sure who won the coin flip during the Bengals, but I know we chose to defer during the Bills and deferred against the Pats. That's three games in a row. I think we should start taking the first half kick to try and not get behind and maybe stay on schedule with our offensive play calls hopefully playing with a lead three opening drive touchdowns allowed your thoughts Um I get it I have not enjoyed chasing the game the last 3 games either But I do sympathize and they chased the game against the Ravens because they gave up a kickoff return But the, the Bills I don't know if they they did not score because they had a turnover, but they came into, or when they scored against Miami on the opening script, that was the eighth consecutive game that the Bills had opened with an opening script touchdown on the opening possession. A kickoff return, a team that does it every week for eight games. And then Joe Burrow with... Uh, what the, what they were able to accomplish in the passing game too. So, if the next three weeks you're giving up opening possession touchdowns, if the Jets go down the field and score on you, if the Vikings go down the field and score on you, and the Steelers go down the field and score on you, then yeah, I'm probably going to be like, yo, let's 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 take the competitive strategic advantage and throw it away and try and get out in front of a game. I just think it, it's a little too early in my opinion, in the season, in the story that the whole season will tell. Uh, JZW. I take your point that we don't know the whole story on Tua's injury, but there's no way that the Dolphins team deserves the benefit of the doubt. And don't tell me Stephen Ross is suspended. Uh, fish rots from the head. If it turns out that they hit a concussion from the Buffalo game and put to it a risk of a life-threatening injury, I'm done with the Finns. I'm not investing any more time or money in a team led by an owner who is, quote, both evil and incompetent. No, Jay, you have the right to feel that way, and I think, I think that's an important thing is everybody has their right to their own opinion on how to react to that. Um, and I will certainly be very distressed if, if we come out of the other side of this and we find out that indeed there was a conscious effort made to subdue a head injury by the decision makers involved and put Tua back out there, and then Tua plays a second football game in four days. Um, as far as the opinion that I have, I am reserving my opinion until I have all of the information. Um, but I understand why people are upset. It was very unsettling and scary, and um, sad to see such a good person, you know, for all of the mud that has been thrown in to a tongue of the lowest way as the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins for the last couple of years. And to see him start the season with so much promise and then have that, uh, it was sad. It was sad. There's no question of that. And I, I certainly hope that the investigation finds that this was, uh, not nefarious, in nature uh, but i appreciate you writing in uh finfan927 can you pl- ah, i beat you to the punch on this one this makes me happy i did not see this review can you please dive deeper into this team's inability to run when the other team knows that we are uh, gotcha go back listen to yesterday but but Finnfan, thanks for writing in um let's see we got a couple more including one from ben I know we have a couple and a couple of these are in regards to the concussion incident last Thursday. So, uh, no, you typically avoid speaking too much on these topics without having all the information, but this concussion situation and should he have, shouldn't he have feels like the latest way for the media to get clicks on their articles. First, it was dog to for being a bust. Um, uh, the whole domino effect of Sunday and then Thursday, I guess there's no question. I just wanted to speak my mind and see if you'd share any of your thoughts on whether you agree or disagree with this, just being the latest media slander on our team. At the end of the day, none of these quote talking heads on the networks have medical degrees or were present president for his evaluation. I think that's the thing the the last thing you said is the important thing. And it's why I try to keep my mouth shut on as much as I can. Um, because I, I, I'm not qualified to, to take a hard line stance from a surface level without having the information as dictated by those who are qualified to tell me what to think, right? Uh, I, don't, I don't think this is necessarily a poke the Dolphins organization because it creates traffic. I think Tua Tonga Valoa has been uh, a very polarizing but very public and very popular name ever since he played at Alabama. Right, And I wrote this story, not with this lens, but I wrote this story in 2019 when Draft Network went down to Tuscaloosa for the Joe Burrow-Tua Tungvaloa game. And the topic of the story was the price of Prodigy. And Tua Tungvaloa had been identified for since the moment he threw that touchdown pass to win the national championship against Georgia that he was the latest Prodigy quarterback. And that meant anything and everything that Tua would ever do was going to be under a microscope. Even getting injured on the football field is going to be a lightning rod topic. And I think you've seen that with some of the polarizing opinions that come out about Tua Tungvaloa, unfortunately. unfortunately. Um, and it's because he is the, has the name recognition that he does, anything that involves him is going to get more attention than I think a lot of other names, as evidenced by the Tampa Bay tight end on Sunday Night Football, very clearly getting his bell rung, running off the field and coming back in a few plays later, and then being declared as having a concussion uh, at halftime and not finishing the game, or T. Higgins getting knocked out uh, on Sunday against the Jets, or was it? yeah, against the Jets, and then playing on Thursday. It's Tua Tonga-Valoa has that name value that. People are going to care more and talk more. Uh, Let's see. Pow, 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 biff. I think that's the proper number of pals. (laughs) Let me start by saying I've been a listener for quite a while. When Travis announced he was leaving, I thought the run was over. But Kyle, you hit the ground running. It's a guaranteed daily listen for me. Thank you for listening. On to the elephant in the room. Why on earth is the media who for three years now has been saying Tua isn't a franchise quarterback now saying the Dolphins are wrong for putting their franchise quarterback in harm's way? Why is no one talking about the fact that the sack that injured Tua was roughing the passer by definition a defensive player must not involuntarily, unnecessarily, or violently throw him? If anyone cared about Tua, then we should be talking about the play along with a low shot he took to the ankle beforehand. Uh, now it feels that the media is positioning to make the Dolphins the new post-Bounty Gate Saints. I know this has been long, but I just need to hear somebody else's opinion. I don't, I don't know that that play was voluntarily so violent. Um, the, the defensive tackle for the Bengals, the biggest human being on the field, right? Now, did he have to wrap and toss Tua that hard to get him on the ground? no. <laughs> Tua is not big in the standard of NFL quarterbacks. Um, So I don't don't know that they would find the deliberate, unnecessary intent on that play. Uh, But I will say that when we are ready to see Tua again, if I'm Coach McDaniel, one of the things that I am trying to impress in him is that you have a responsibility to yourself to re- protect yourself too. And I think that that's the thing with that play is, you know, regardless of whether or not the first read was open, and I believe the read on the, the throw was a corner route to Jalen Waddle, which was open against cover two, and you high load the corner, and you had the sideline to throw the ball to. And, but it's, it's really inconsequential at this point. He had the ball long enough and felt that defender coming. It's second and seven. Throw it away. Scramble for two yards and slide. Right? And I know uh, two is wanting to make a play, but you are your health is too valuable to not punt on some plays and live to fight another down. And I think when we're ready to see two again, I hope that is part of the messaging to him to encourage him to play fearlessly and confidently, but with the jurisdiction that he needs to protect himself out there as well. We have two more questions. The next one from Jesse. No, it's still extremely early, but what do you think is more vital this offseason based off the performances so far? A stud three-down linebacker or a complete package tight end? I still have faith in Hunter Long and Channing Tiddall to turn into something good, but getting those two positions solidified could put the Dolphins over the top. That's a good question. Um, I think the defense can work without a stud three-down linebacker who is a unicorn-type player, and I'm going to be quite honest, I don't know that that player exists. Uh, The kind of consensus top three linebackers in this year's class as stack-off ball linebackers, uh, Trenton Simpson is more of a nickel, like a Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, who was at Notre Dame and is now was a second round pick with the Browns. Um, kind of a nickel linebacker in space coverage type, but he's bigger. Uh, he's like 6'3, 225. Uh, you have Henry Toto, who is a true, he's more almost like a Matt Milano type player as a stack linebacker. And then you have Noah Sewell, who is a tank, but has played the least impressively of those three. And I do not think you would justify a first round draft selection at this point in time. The tight end group is deep and I want to have the horses in that room to make this running game have what it needs. So I would point as the tight end room is the more important position room to find resolution, but that's me personally. Our last question comes from Dr. Alex and Dr. Alex's question. If the Finns aren't completely sold on Tua by the end of the season, is it possible they consider drafting a toolsy quarterback like Cameron Ward next year, just like how San Francisco took a flyer on Trey Lance? A couple things, Alex. Uh, I, I think we should distinguish taking a flyer and going all the way in, which is what the 49ers did. The 49ers went all the way in on Trey Lance. Uh, they sent three ones to go up and get him and pick him number three overall. Um, I hope. That we get the clarity that we need into Itangabaloa, and he leaves no doubt, and he does come back and he does prosper and stay healthy. Um, but if I'm the Dolphins, the reason why I wanted to answer this question is because you brought up the name Cameron Ward. Um, Cameron Ward, if you were to identify the kind of player who I think could make sense for the Dolphins at the quarterback position. And I, we, I love Skylar Thompson just as much as you guys do. But if you wanted a, if you wanted to turn the Dolphins quarterback room into a quarterback, quote unquote factory, right? Where you get guys in house, you develop those players. They in turn can either play or you can trade them for more than what you invested in them. I think Cameron Ward is the quarterback, and he's at, at Washington State, who I am most intrigued by as an addition to the quarterback room because with the contract situation being what it is, I would be very surprised if Tua Tagovailoa was not here. A lot of what the Dolphins did was to support Tua Tagovailoa, and put Tua Tagovailoa in a position to be successful. But you think about what the Eagles did with Carson Wentz when they drafted Jalen Hurts. That was a second-round pick. You could certainly say, well, that second-round pick could go to a corner or a tight end or an offensive tackle or a left guard. And all of those things would be true. But with us not necessarily knowing and what kind of long-term forecast we feel comfortable from a contract situation with Tua Valoa, I think it's, that's the kind of player that I'd be pretty intrigued by. And I only say that to say this. If you haven't seen any of Cameron Ward from Washington State yet, check him out. He's really raw. He played an incarnate word before transferring to Washington State. And he's got a lot of these same natural tools that a lot of the young quarterbacks that go into the league and they have success because they're really good with their ball handling skills and they can throw around defenders the and they're athletic and they can extend with their legs. He does all of those things. And I think he'd be a really interesting kind of addition regardless of whether or not the objective is to have an insurance policy for Tua Valoa, to create a quarterback factory that then allows you to let somebody else invest in that player and cash out at a greater value, or if you're of the school of thought that you want to make a change of quarterback. You know, and, and everybody, again, like everything on here, is entitled to their own opinion on where they stand on that front long-term for the Dolphins. I personally would love to not have to worry about it and have Tua Tungvalu come back and prosper and be healthy and leave no doubt. But there's three quarters of the season left to be played for us to continue to collect information before we have to address that question. But just an early touch on a name that I'm glad that you brought up because he's been, as a draft guy, one of my favorite prospects to watch kind of mature throughout the course of this season as it unfolds before our eyes as a guy who played an incarnate word last year. Uh, But that is going to do it for us here today on the show. Hope you guys enjoyed the discussion. It is power to the pot. It's all the things that you wanted to talk about. We tabled them all we had the conversations and we'll be back again tomorrow for crossover Thursday. So I hope you guys enjoy, enjoy the rest of your Wednesday fins up, keep it locked in right here on Locked On dolphins, your team every day. We don't just say it. We live it. Thanks for listening or thanks for watching.